Good morning. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning on this beautiful uh, sunny morning. I hope you enjoyed that one week of fall that we had. Who knows if we will get more. Uh, I want to say a special word of welcome to any of you who are visiting with us today. I hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our worship service, including communion. There are instructions for communion uh, on the insert to your order of worship or just follow the folks around you. They will lead you in the right direction. If you are in need of a gluten-free wafer, we do have those available. Just make me aware when you come up, and I'll make sure you get one of those. Quite a big day today as we celebrate together. First, this is All Saints Sunday, the day that we celebrate those saints who are no longer with us, and particularly those who have left us in the past year. And it's been a big year for us here at Northminster. So uh, toward the middle of our service, we will celebrate those folks. You might also have noticed there's uh, some new equipment up on the dais. Uh, the new organ is here, installed, as beautiful as you heard, and uh, we will have a short dedication for that later on in the service, and then I'm sure a much bigger, longer concert at some point to really celebrate the new organ. It's really fun. There's lots of fun settings on the new organ. Some other announcements for you. Please remember, after our worship service, we do have a time of fellowship out in the narthex. I hope you'll stick around for that and get some juice and have a cookie with us. Also, next week is a big weekend. The Strickland Lectures, we do this annually. And Amanda Tyler from the Baptist Joint Committee will be here speaking on Saturday. You can see the title of her speech in your order of worship. And she will also be here Sunday. She will be preaching, and then we will be having a salad and dessert lunch afterward. And there is, in typical Northminster fashion, a sign-up list outside of my office for you to bring a salad or a dessert. So I hope you will come and be part of that. It's going to be a really good day. Also, next Sunday is our business meeting. We will be voting on three new coordinating council members. You see the nominees in your order of worship. And there will not be a potluck meal because the next week is our agape meal. Speaking of the agape meal, if you have not signed up and you want to come, please do that today, if possible, so that we can get an accurate number for how much food to order. Um, we can always guess, but it's better if we can be accurate. So please sign up for that if you had not planned on it already. Uh, also, if you are part of family ministry, we are going to be meeting tomorrow at 5.30. You should have gotten that email, but this is your reminder. Please be here tomorrow at 5.30 for a meeting. And then as far as after evening activities, we will not have youth this week. Laura is sick, and if you did not uh, know, I've had quite a week myself. So we are going to take a week off and let the kids take a week off. Um, and speaking of that, I want to say a personal thank you to all of you who have checked in on me and on Eric this week. If you did not know, he was quite sick. He was in the hospital Monday through Friday. He is home now um, and will require some uh, ongoing care for a couple of weeks, but he's much better. He will be going back to work tomorrow. Um, but it was quite a week with him in the hospital, which is also my reason to tell you the sermon is going to be a bit shorter today. I know that breaks all of your hearts, but uh, I'll get you out a little bit sooner so you can get to lunch. That'd be our compromise. And now we have our moment for mission. I just set off my phone. 
And uh, so fortunately, we will not have any EMT people showing up because I got it off. <laughs> but anyway, another thing. Um, this is a little harder for me to read because it's twice as big as usually the print is, but that's all right. I'm just not technologically even competent. <laughs> the uh, focus for the month for November is on the Christmas project, and that is where we adopt children through the Center for Children and Families. Northminster has been asked to sponsor 25 children this year, and their wish lists, as well as frequently asked questions, are out there in the narthex on the table. Some of those have already been adopted, in, quite, in fact, quite a few, but there are some left, so we would appreciate your checking and seeing. Uh, I always enjoyed shopping for them back when I had a car, <laughs> and um, I think you would enjoy shopping too. Uh, they have included their sizes, their ages, any information you know that you would need. Uh, they ask that everything be new, brand new. The gifts are due back at the Center for Children and Families office which is at 622 Riverside Drive. And they're due back on Wednesday, November 29th, between 8.30 and 4.30 p.m. But I believe you can take them any time. I mean, that's, we always took them any time uh, prior to that, but that's the last day that you can take them. Wednesday, November 29th, between 8.30 and 4.30. Uh, please provide at least one new coat, new shoes, a new clothing outfit such as shirt and pants for the boys, uh, a blouse and skirt for the girls or a dress or anything that is wearable, and then a toy item that the, that the child or the teenager has asked for. The teenagers don't ask for toys, but they sometimes ask for other things. So. Please, no gift cards. You place the new unwrapped items in a black garbage bag with the child's wish list inside the bag. All right, I think that catches us up. Thank you very much. One last thing of note, you will notice the beautiful flowers this morning are given in honor of Peggy Burns, so I would ask, please let Peggy have first dibs on the flowers, let her take what she likes, and then please take some for yourself or to make somebody else's day brighter. Now let's take a deep breath together. We take this deep breath, particularly today, I think to remember those who are no longer with us, those that we love, those that we miss. 
And as you breathe in, breathe in those good memories. Breathe in the things that those people taught us that we will never forget. As you breathe out, do your best to breathe out your grief. Do your best to breathe out any regrets you might have for those people that, who, aren't, who aren't here with us. Breathe in again. Let us celebrate those saints of the faith who have gone before us. And then please join me in our call to worship. We gather this morning to celebrate the lives of people we name as saints. Some have touched us personally. Others have touched and called into question the institutions and structures of our society. We celebrate these people and their lives in all aspects of God's creation.
Good morning, young friends. How are we today? Did you enjoy the nice cold weather this week? Do you want it to come back? Yeah, I do. We're about half and half on that. So I got a question for you. Did you hear just a minute ago, were you listening when I said what today is? What is it? Yeah, you're close. It's All Saints Sunday. Good job, Parker. All Saints Sunday. Does anybody know what that means? Do you know what it means, Ricky? Anybody know? It's a really special day when we celebrate people who um, have passed away, who've died, who aren't with us anymore, but who were really, really special to us. You have a question? You thought it was something else? Oh, I see, yes. I see how you thought that. That makes sense. We thought it's how we celebrate, when we celebrate the Saints football team. (laughs) It's okay. It's the same word. That makes a lot of sense that you thought that. Not exactly. We celebrate people who have passed away within the last year, specifically. I'll answer at the end, okay? We also celebrate people who are still with us, who are still alive and living and around us, who are really special and who help us learn and who help us know what it means to come to church and who teach us really important things. So it's not just all about people who've passed away. It's just generally this day is about people who help us and who teach us and who are really important in our lives. Can you think of anybody who's like that for you, who's really important in your life? Who is it? Your family, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're family for you too, yeah. Your friends. What about here at church? Are there people other than your families here at church? Yeah. The whole church is important, yeah. What do you think, Ricky? How about uh, Miss Beth? Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's pretty important. How about, and me, thank you. And how about Miss Annie? Yeah. She's pretty important. And what about the choirs, really important? Yeah. Okay. But here's what I want you to think about these people are important because they help you, these people are important because they teach you things. These people are important. Are they kind to you? Yeah. They help take care of you. You can do that for other people. So we can celebrate you as well. So I want you to think this week, because you have all these people around you who love you and care about you, who take good care of you. Hang on just a second, and I'll answer your question. Hang on just a second. That you can do the same for somebody else. And that is our big takeaway from All Saints Day, is that, yeah, these people may not be with us anymore, or there are people who are, but we can also help other people. And you are all capable of that, and you are all capable of being kind, and you are all capable of taking care of someone. So I want you to think about that this week. Now, did you have a question? What's your question? That's right. That's right. That's right. 
And I think that's for cousins and for friends and really for anybody that you see fall down. That's just a really good rule for people. All right, I want you to think about how you can help others this week, okay? Now, turn around, face the congregation, please. Stay seated on your bottoms. Keep your hands to yourselves. Turn all the way around. Put your hands in your laps. Thank you. I will say the first line. You say it back to me nice and loud, and do try to sit still for me. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. Kids, I think you can be louder. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. Oh, holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats now. gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to them, you know that among the nations of the world, 
the great ones lord it over the little people and act like tyrants. But that is not the way it will be among you. Whoever would be great among you must serve and minister. Whoever wants to be great among you must be slave of all. Even the son came not to be served, but to be a servant, to offer his life as a ransom for others. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come to this time of remembrance, we remember not only the four people listed here, but also those who have gone before, who are saints to one of us, to all of us. We remember those who are still saints here among us, and we thank God for these special people who teach, who help, who show us kindness, and who in so many ways embody the scripture that was just read for us. This year, we remember specifically John Bennett Gray. Sarah Younger. C. Welton Gaddy. and James William Kite. Thank you, Charles. Now I'd like for us to take just a moment of silent remembrance for these four people who were so dear to us, and then I will lead us in a prayer together. Let's pray. You are living and active, O God. You refuse to be put aside, and we are grateful for your presence offering us another way. In faith and trust, we come before you, for you alone are worthy of our praise, and you alone can bear the burdens of redeeming the world. We bring you our prayers for our leaders, those whose political positions of power and service affect the lives of so many. May all who lead see themselves first as your servants, called and equipped for your purpose. And may they use their office and influence to seek the common good. We bring you our prayers for those who work behind the scenes, advisors, civil servants, administrators, the people who keep things going and without whom society could not function. May they recognize their value, may they be appreciated 
and may they serve you faithfully to bring about your plans for a future with hope. We bring you our prayers for those affected when poor choices are made at the top, those who already barely make ends meet, those who wait on health care, those in danger from climate change, those sleeping rough, those at the edges who are easy to overlook, those who have to carry out decisions that demean their humanity. May they be remembered and cared for, included and kept in mind when issues seem separate from people. And on this All Saints Sunday, we give you thanks for all of the saints in our lives, those who have gone before and those who are still with us. May we live out their memories. May we be the people they helped us learn to be. And may we, in turn, be the sort of people that might one day also be called saints. O oh Lord, may your spirit be our constant guide and comfort nudging us to step into the space you call us to stand and serve, empowering us to be faithful through the fear, working through us to reveal your kingdom here and now. By your grace, all things are possible, and so we offer our prayers in the name of, the, in the name of Christ, who alone is the head of the body. Amen. city between Ephraim and Manasseh because the entire community of Israel had gathered there to install him as the new king. Jeroboam, Nebat's son, received word of this while he was living in Egypt, hiding from King Solomon. Then the people of the northern tribes called for Jeroboam, and with him the entire community of Israel spoke to Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Jeroboam said, during your father's time, he weighed us down with heavy workloads and caused us much suffering. We have come here to ask you to lighten the load your father laid upon us. 
If you do so, we will be your willing servants. King Rehoboam replied, Go away for three days, then come back to me. I need time to think this over. The people left. The king then went to talk with the elders who had been in the service of his father, Solomon, when he was alive. He asked for their advice on this matter, saying, I have come here for your wisdom. What guidance do you have for me? What should I say to these people who are asking me to lighten their workload? The elders replied, Serve your people today. Do exactly as they ask and offer them kind words and encouragement. If you serve them in this way today, then they will be devoted to you and will serve you forever. But the king ignored the advice of the elders. Instead, he went to consult his childhood friends, the young men with whom he had grown up and who served him. He asked them, What guidance do you have for me? What should I say to these people who have made this request to me, lighten our load, the one your father has placed upon us? The young men replied to the king, when you meet again with these people who have made this request to you, speak firmly and tell them, You think my father was hard on you? My little finger is more potent than my father's loins. My father weighed you down with a heavy load, but I will make your load even heavier. My father used whips to command you, and you thought that was harsh. I will use a scourge with the sting of scorpions. Jeroboam and all the people of Israel came back to meet with King Rehoboam after they had been away for three days, as they had been told. King Rehoboam spoke to the people in a tyrannical tone and completely ignored the advice of the experienced elders. Instead, he heeded the advice of the young men with whom he had grown up, telling the people of Israel how harsh he would be. After King Rehoboam had finished speaking to Jeroboam and the Israelites, the king did not listen to them as the eternal intended. Thus, King Rehoboam fulfilled the promise to the eternal, the eternal one gave through the prophets. The people of Israel realized the king had not listened to them. The people of Israel then asked, What lot of David's belongs to us? We have no inheritance in Jesse's son. Go back to your tents, Israel. Take care of your own house, David. There is no good news for us. The Israelites left and went back to their homes, and King Rehoboam ruled over all the Israelites who lived in the cities that were part of Judah. An ancient Israelite story. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. So the first church that I served as an, an actual minister, actually getting paid as opposed to being an intern, was Kirkwood Baptist in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, interesting congregation, a little bit bigger than we are. And one of the things that I was required to attend weekly was our Wednesday night Bible study. Mostly more experienced adults, if you take my meaning, as younger folks with kids really couldn't make it at 5 o'clock for dinner. Uh, I wasn't required to go to dinner, but I usually did. I did learn pretty early on not to eat the food. 
because uh, it was basically Piccadilly, which is fine, but imagine Piccadilly without any seasoning, <laughs> Midwest style. So the food wasn't great, but the conversation was. I very quickly, like most everybody else there, had an assigned seat. If I sat somewhere else, uh, I heard about it. I was expected to sit in my seat every week. And it was wonderful to get to have these conversations with these older adults that I wouldn't have really known otherwise. Sometimes their advice wasn't particularly useful. Uh, they weren't tech savvy, so those sorts of conversations uh, really went over their heads. But in lessons about life, in lessons about marriage, after Eric and I got engaged, in lessons about how to just be a pretty good person, that was where those dinners were the, the best thing I did all week. I will never forget, right after Eric and I got engaged, uh, I came one Wednesday night, and I hadn't planned to make a big deal out of it, but they saw the ring. And from there, the entire evening was filled, all the women came to my assigned table, and we talked about wedding planning, what to do, what not to do, how to make the day less stressful. Some of the best marriage advice I've ever received was on those Wednesday nights. The, the best really being, just do the best you can. It's hard work. And this was from people who were married 50, 60 years. I miss those gatherings. Some of those people, saints themselves, have passed on. I will always look back on those evenings uh, very, very fondly. And I wish I could tell Rehoboam from this morning's story how important listening to your elders can be. So we come to this morning's story as a new king is taking power. Now, last week we were talking about the story of Ruth. Remember, she was David's great-grandmother. Now we are talking about David's grandson, Rehoboam. So we have moved forward in the timeline a bit. Rehoboam's father was Solomon, Solomon who built the temple. And he has died. And despite being a wise man, the people didn't like him very much. A lot of that was because of his building mania. First uh, Kings 7 tells us that it took him 13 years to build his home. Because this, this building mania led to harsh labor requirements for the people. So when Rehoboam comes into power, the people are hoping things will be different. And at first, change seems possible. You heard the story, Jeroboam comes to him, they have a conversation, and the new king says, give me three days to consider the assembly's request that he not treat people the way his father did. Give me three days. During that time, Rehoboam seeks out the advice of Solomon's senior advisors. These are the men who had worked with his father the longest, who knew his father the longest, and they urge the young Rehoboam to be a servant to the people, considerate and compassionate. In return, they say, the people will do anything you want. They will do anything for you. Unfortunately, Rehoboam doesn't want to hear that advice, perhaps because he's a young man, perhaps because he is a stubborn man. He acts as neither a wise king or a good shepherd. And so being 
self-serving and more than a little foolish, he seeks out those who tell him what he wants to hear. The group who've benefited the most from King Solomon's harsh treatment of the people, the young men of the kingdom, the privileged, his friends. These guys are used to being wealthy, and they're not interested in anything that might change that position. How many wealthy people are, and this makes them cruel. They advise Rehoboam to tell the people who've complained about his father Solomon, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. If you think life under my father's was hard, you haven't seen the half of it. My father thrash you with whips. I'll beat you bloody with chains. Now, I'm hesitant to overemphasize this detail, but I want you to understand what these young men are talking about because it is indicative of their maturity level and the poor quality of their advice. So, they are making here with this, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist, they are making a lightly veiled reference to male anatomy. So, much like in the story of Ruth when she lays at Boaz's feet, she's not laying at Boaz's feet, okay? These are these sort of veiled biblical references and we have one of those here. So think about what they're actually saying, and then think about how immature you have to be to say this to people. This is the kind of crass, irresponsible, self-centered attitude these young men have. It's the way poorly behaved children act, not how advisors to a king behave. And yet this, this lightly veiled sort of uh, threatening tone is the advice Rehoboam chooses to heed. So with this attitude, these young men show themselves as little more than bullies, and Rehoboam follows their lead. Now this is especially short-sighted when you think about how much Rehoboam has to lose. Keep in mind, Rehoboam's inheritance from his grandfather David is a unified Judah. The, the kingdoms have been unified together, finally. It was a very, very long process. This new king has the opportunity to rule over both kingdoms, but in choosing to be harsh and ignore the wise counsel of his elders, Rehoboam crushes the delicate relationship the monarchy had with Israel. So this is really a turning point. And in this, mo in this moment, Rehoboam brings about the death of these united kingdoms. Israel and Judah will never be one again because of his poor leadership. For the rest of his reign, and remember, we're right at the beginning, for the rest of his reign, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the man who will become appointed king of Israel once they kick Rehoboam out, they will continue to fight back and forth, but nothing will change. And then Rehoboam will die in 17 years, neither a good king, a good shepherd, or a servant to the people he has been entrusted to lead. Unfortunately, there is really no good news to take from Rehoboam's story. In fact, his story is a visceral example of how not to be a leader, how not to treat people if you're in power, who you should listen to when you seek out advice. And it's a great reminder of the wisdom that comes from listening to your elders. 
But thanks be to God, there's that handful of verses that we read from Jesus. Despite being his many, many times great-grandson, Jesus is the antithesis of Rehoboam. So much so that Rehoboam seems like a bad caricature in comparison to his divine descendant. For what Christ embodies is a God who understands power and leadership through the willingness of giving of herself. A God who lives in relationships and is shared when in service to others. We all know Jesus is a leader. But what we sometimes gloss over in our efforts to be Christ-like is that Jesus is a servant leader. He didn't just tell his disciples, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be like a slave. He lived it. In his acceptance of those considered unacceptable. In his care for women and children and the washing of his disciples' feet and ultimately in giving of himself on the cross. Let's not forget that the model Jesus gives us is one that threatens our very morality. In his book, The Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership, beloved theologian Henry Nouwen wrote the following. The way of the Christian leader is not the way of upward mobility in which our world has invested so much, but the way of downward mobility ending on the cross. My friends, the good news this morning is both good and it should be sobering. The good portion is that we are all Christian leaders, in part because we're Baptists, and Baptists believe in the priesthood of all believers. But mostly we are all leaders because God has a unique calling for each of us to do her work in the world. The sobering part of the good news is that in choosing to be Christ-like, in choosing to find and follow the call of God who loved all of us enough to give us a model other than Rehoboam, we're called to a different kind of leadership. A leadership that a lot of people don't choose because it's a lot more work. It requires the continued effort to put others first. It often necessitates getting your hand dirty, schlepping tables and chairs around the church building, or moving all sorts of things that you never thought you would move, or putting chairs away, or pulling them out of the storage shed, and on and on and on that list goes. This kind of leadership can push you to speak truth to power, to stand up and tell the establishment that their treatment of the poor is exploitative, and to push and push until change happens. And most often, this leadership asks that we be willing to be reformed, reform ourselves, reform our church, reform our relationships with each other over and over and over again until we ultimately find ourselves on our knees washing each other's feet. Now, it's unlikely that in seeking to be servant leaders, any of us will found a new religion as Jesus did. We certainly won't take Christ's place on the cross, and who of us would want to? But let's push ourselves each in our own unique way, with our own unique gifts, to be leaders who not only listen to our elders, but leaders who are reformed by God. Amen.
<clears throat> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. As we come to this time of communion, we remember that this is the table of the heavenly feast, the joyful celebration of the people of God. Christ invites everyone to eat of the bread of life, to drink of the cup of the new covenant, for as Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. In the beginning, God provided every plant yielding seed and every tree with seed and its fruit. And when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God fed them with the miraculous food from heaven called manna. Later, when crowds were hungry, Jesus fed over 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. And when two were walking toward Emmaus, they recognized the anointed one as they broke bread together. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guest, and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We are on holy ground. All are wanted, and all are welcomed here with your doubts, your shortcomings, your failures, your griefs. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated. You are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now, if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, he would be seized by those in power, but before he was taken... Jesus introduced this meal to his followers for even though he knew the end was coming, Jesus joined with those he loved. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, remember me. And then in the same way, when supper was over, Jesus took a cup, and as he filled it with wine, he blessed it. And during his blessing, he reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. My friends, Christ makes us the same promise. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Well, and what DH didn't mention is that Dan and Melissa drove that organ here from upstate New York. So they are heroes. They are heroes. If you would, please uh, join me in the dedication of the All Saints organ of Northminster Church that is printed in your order of worship. On this All Saints Sunday, November 5th, 2023, let us dedicate this new instrument of worship. We, the family that is Northminster Church, do this day offer unto God our thanks and praise for the gift of music and ask that we use this gift to the best of our abilities in the worship and praise of God. We do hereby dedicate this organ to the glory of God and in gratitude to our saints of Norton, Mr. Church. Its inscription reads, through the ear to the soul. May the music makes do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Sole Deo Gloria. Amen. And now if you would please stand and let's sing our closing hymn.
Now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a taste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.